Michael Buble, it's so great to chat to you. I've uh, been a, a massive fan for a long time. Went to the concert in South Africa, Cape Town specifically. And that was probably the first time I've ever seen a performer have a conversation with a thousand, in fact, 5,000 people. And it was one of the most incredible things that I've ever seen. And I wanted to tell you this off the bat so that we don't get too awkward in the middle of this interview. But I thought there was a masterstroke where you could just have a conversation and it felt like you were talking to every single person in the room. I just want to say that is the virtue. People on radio don't even get that right and they've been on radio for years. I just thought I'd, I'd share that with you. That was wonderful. Thanks, man. That is my pleasure. It's one of my great pleasures in life. This is what has sucked about COVID, one of the big things. We're supposed to be together. Human beings are not supposed to be alone. We are supposed to eat together and pray together and sing together. And so that's been a really tough thing. And so for me, you can imagine, like, you can't fake it. I love it. I love I love it. And those people in the audience are like an extension of my family. And I've always loved, sometimes I feel more comfortable, I think, with 5,000 than I do with five. That's really powerful, I must just say. And that's the beauty of it. But, I mean, do you miss us in Cape Town? Because we miss you a lot. Oh, my God. Listen, I brought my dad when I went through South Africa. We had so much fun. We had this gorgeous hotel where we would... I set up a little ping pong table. So we would do the shows and then we'd play ping pong. My dad's not a drinker, but he was in South Africa. <laughs> my friend Dion took us to get Bill Tong. And, like, it was the best. We had that. Of course I miss it. Yes. It's okay. time to come home. It is time. I have to just mention this. It just feels like there's a bit of a trend going on because whenever I chat to somebody from overseas who's toured down here, they always seem to mention the fact that they've had an alcohol binge in South Africa. And I have no idea why. And it's just, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> well, for me, I think it was coming to this gorgeous climate, this gorgeous country. You know, it was like raining where I was from and kind of cold. And it was like, I showed up there and it was like, oh my God, I'm in heaven. This is so beautiful. It's, it's like a holiday. It's tough. It's like a holiday. So you're working, but you have to try not to forget that you're to actually work because it becomes too much fun. And that is the beauty of doing what you love. You never work a day in your life. So essentially, it was actually a holiday. Can I ask you something? You may. Carl? So you were talking about how radio personalities, they speak to. So was it something that you, like when you were a kid, did you practice it? Was it, did it come natural for you? And what are your techniques of having that conversation that instead of you just talking becomes, even though it's just you talking, becomes the feeling of a conversation? Like what would you say to a young personality that wants to do this? Like what, what are the tips you'd give them? I believe that the key to authenticity is the bravery to be yourself. Whenever a young person comes to me and says, Carl, I hear you on radio all the time. I see you in TV in South Africa. How do you do this? I'll just say to them that the key is you don't have to go to a university and study anything. I always tell young people to study themselves. I tell them that you are the most interesting person you'll ever meet. And you're going to meet yourself every single day. And you're going to learn something new about yourself every day. And it's about the bravery to actually be yourself in a world where yeah. every single thing that comes around you is influencing you in some way. This is why there's the rise of the marketing influencer. They are there to tell you what to eat, what to wear, what to buy. But you have yourself there. You have autonomy. Yeah. You can make decisions on your own. So if I were to say anything to a young personality, don't try and be like anybody else and try and sound like a radio DJ, Michael Buble, the new album coming out now. <laughs> no, I mean, that's a benchmark that I think is not really realistic. But there no. is something that is really great. And that is the person that you wake up with every single day. 
and it's actually you. You get up and you stare at the screen like a, a mobile phone and you're thinking that that's going to give you some sort of idea as to what you should be and what will get you money one day and that leans itself into intention. So I would say to a young person, focus on the screen that matters if you want to be authentic and that screen is your mirror. Yeah. It's interesting. It's a really hard thing to do too. It's easy to say, especially with social media now where how many likes did I get? And no one is immune to it. It's hard not to feel that pressure of trying to be what you think other people want you to be because you get the likes or you don't. And so you make a post and then you worry about, "Oh man, they didn't like that." You know what I mean? It's tough. And the beauty of the mantra that I I live by that focusing on the screen that matters the mirror is that I get a chance to also forgive myself for leaning into certain things that I believed had value and yes. I feel like I need to forgive myself every day for not remembering the basics at times and I want young people yeah. to know that they don't have to be perfect all the time you have to forgive yourself and make the mistakes because I believe that it's the mistakes that are the breadcrumbs of success yes I agree with you That's how we learn. And that's how it goes. And this is why I mean I pick up the small nuances, especially when you came down and performed here. I loved a performer yeah. who could come through and sit on a chair, play with the wires of the microphone because they were a bit tangled because that was not rehearsed. They were tangled. <laughs> so you had to get comfortable yeah. and you had to get in your high chair and like just give me a second. And then you yeah. can look at a crowd. And I suppose in a lot of ways when I do my MC work, that is essentially the virtue that I love is the fact that I can look at a crowd and you could pick out somebody that is so interesting and that will become your focal point for the evening. And every now and then you'll yeah. lean back to that person and they'll give you something back and the show just brightens up because you've got this thread, this one person supporting you. And I mean I watched you do that. This is why I resonated with so much. This is beside the singing. I mean that was fantastic. I don't want to take that away. It was amazing. I hear what you're saying. You know what's funny? I really think if I break myself down, I think I'm so sensitive that instead of me playing to the one person who might like me, I don't. I play to the person who doesn't and it'll affect me. I mean, I can go out and there could be 80,000 people and there could be one guy sitting there looking like he's cynical and oh god, and my whole mission will be by the end of this show, can I break this guy? Can I make this man? Can I soften him? And can I break his cynicism and can I bring him in because if he gets brought in then I know and but by the way I'm like that at a dinner party I am I'm, I really am I I can't handle people having being uncomfortable socially I am the guy if you came to hang with me you'd see I am so worried about your dignity getting taken away that I will protect it at any cost and my friends that are on this computer right now that are watching this with us yeah they know me they're my two of my best friends in the world and they know me and they know my faults and they know the ego and the insecure they know all the bad things about me but I think they would probably tell you that one of the good things about me is that is that I have that sense of empathy. My mom and dad had it and my family had it. And for me as a as someone who has a is lucky enough to have a platform, that empathy is really what ends up breaking through because you care. You genuinely care. And by the way, it's not good for me because I it hurts me, you know, like I I'm not so strong sometimes, but definitely I want to make sure that everybody in the room is good and comfortable and feels happy and it's like always my goal whether it's at a five person dinner party or you know 80,000 people it's the same thing. I think there was a reason why you told me this because perhaps you recognize a similar behavior in the person who is supposed to be interviewing you this evening that it turns out that we're just having a nice uh, psychological yeah, no, conversation I but I think you yeah, could pick it up. Yeah, and I can tell. I can tell because of the way that when I asked you the question of what you would tell people, obviously you've already told people. This is something that you care about and you don't have to know them. They can be a stranger off the street, but how they feel is important to you for sure. Wow. 
Okay. So we've cleared it up. We got a lot in common. We have a TED talk here. We have a TED talk. Forget about it. We do. I, I, it's, it doesn't matter. We lift them up. We engage them. We fill them with okay with love and. Okay, this is a deal. We're doing a TED Talk now. You know what this leans itself into is emotional intelligence. Michael Bublé, this is actually what we want to get into in the next because I learned something so valuable because I studied psychology. And when I got into psychology, the intention, I don't think it was right because I suppose I wanted to fix myself because of my upbringing and the way my parents got divorced when I was in my, I suppose you could call it the senior year. And that was something that really affected me. So I went to go study psychology. And the intention in the first year of studies was let's fix myself. Then I grew into it and I realized it's actually about understanding and interpreting things and reframing them in a way that will serve my happiness. You know, you said something interesting about, you said the screen, you said the, the important screen, the screen that you're looking at yourself. And you know, I've got three kids. And so I tell my wife many times, we can tell them, we can talk to them, but there's nothing like action. They will watch what you do. So for me, when I go to bed at night, that's my screen. You know, I sit in bed and I think, well, did I handle this the right way, the good way? You know, did I handle this as a good man, as a good human being? And what's scary is it's easy to hear people say things about you or it's hard to be honest with yourself. It's really, really hard to be true because we know, I know all the disgusting and horrible and rotten things about myself that I'm ashamed of or that I wish I would change. I wish they could be better. Only I know, no one else knows. My wife doesn't mind, no one knows, but I know. And so that's the tough part is going to bed at night and actually being honest with yourself and going, am I gonna change? Am I gonna do it? And you just find yourself working on it and failing, but little by little, I think if you keep doing it, you find that you start liking yourself and respecting yourself and then you live a full life. I like the way you said you continue failing because I, I love the saying and, and yes, you can hear that I've told other people this and I'm going to impart it upon you. It's you'll never fail if you keep on trying. I like that. And that's the beauty of living this life is that we are going to fail so many times. I think you should take ownership of those future failures already and know that they are yeah. going to guide you somewhere. And maybe it's not somewhere that you can actually see right then and there, but it's about trusting that particular process and trusting that positivity that exists inside you, that there will be an outcome that will serve your happiness. I think that's the key over there. When it comes to parenthood, when it comes to being a musician or a radio DJ or a doctor, psychologist, an architect, no matter what that is, I think that's for me is the key, is the fact that we are always trying and failing, but we're trying again. Failure is not the end. It is a new no. beginning. And sure. that forgiveness that I told you about earlier is also equally as important. And especially if you get into something like a holiday season, when we come out of a lockdown season for the entire world where people got confronted with themselves so often, this is the key yeah. conversation. And I think this is the universe connecting you and I. That's what for I For sure. I'll be honest with you. This is the second interview I've done today. I did uh, the first interview uh, with a, a Brazilian journalist. This is two of the greatest interviews I've, I've ever had to start a day because both of them were conversational. Both of them were really nice. I, I, you forget you're in a, you forget that there's people that will be listening and watching, you know? That's a nice feeling because so many times it's, okay, let's talk about the Christmas single. Let's talk about the new 10th year anniversary. Let's talk. And I, for me, I get very cringy, you know? I say like, oh God, okay, let's, we've got to do this, but God, I hope I can do this in a way that doesn't seem like, you know, okay, spend the money, spend the money, everyone, spend the money, spend the money. It's like, oh God. 
I love that you mentioned that because as you may know, there are many people, brands that may come after you and they're like, okay, don't you want to hold this or do, do this this little post on Instagram or do that? Yeah. To be honest with you, and I'm sure you can tell this about me, I don't like things that are inauthentic. I do enjoy organic things, conversations. Yeah. I wasn't going to step out of this conversation you know, and say, right, Michael Buble, nice, uh, great to join us here after being in Cape Town a couple of times at concerts. It's nice to chat to you. Let's talk about the new Christmas anniversary. Well done. In fact, Hold on, I got you some buble. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to do that to you. That's not who I am. But what I will say is that there's not a single shopping mall in Cape Town that you can walk into around the festive season that doesn't have one of your Christmas tracks blaring through the speakers as shoppers gleefully walk through the malls spending money they don't have. It's beautiful. And for that, I am so sorry. I am so sorry. <laughs> Uh, the same thing happens here in the shopping malls with me and my wife going there playing your game. Yes. Um, yeah, man, it's, it's, I can't believe it's 10 years. I did an interview the other day where I think a 27-year-old girl told me that she had been a fan since she was little, and I just about died. So, um, oh, that happened to you the other day. <laughs> but before I go, can I say something? You may. I want to say thank you to you for having this beautiful conversation with me. I want to say thank you to all those gorgeous people out there in such a beautiful country that's obviously meant so much to me. I know it's been incredibly tough for everybody. I pray for you. I hope that we get through this together. And I hope this Christmas that music doesn't drive you crazy and brings you some peace and some joy. It does all the time. Thank you, Michael Buble. You are you're amazing. And you're an incredible person. But I can see that anyway. When I saw your concert, I knew that you were the same person on that stage that you were in a Zoom call or even if I meet you one day in person. And, you know, in retrospect, I just realized that... I just haven't met you yet.